Let's go through every single package installed on a Linux install DVD, specifically Slackware 14.2. Um, of course, these are all open source packages that I'm talking about on this show, so they probably can still apply to you even if you're not running Slackware and even if you're not running Linux. These are open source packages, so you can download the source code and run them on any computer, whether you're running Linux, Mac, Windows, BSD, doesn't matter. You can learn probably something from this episode. So let's get started. Rather than going through every single Slackware package in this particular episode, I'm going to go over package source. I've talked about package source before. I've even done an episode on it before, but I wanted to do yet another episode just from a different angle. And the angle is, well, I mean, the angle is I'm more familiar with it now than I used to be. That's that's definitely significant. But the other angle is that um, it, it, package source is a couple of different things to a couple of different operating systems. And and I feel like when you talk about package source, you, you really have to specify how you're using package source. There's not a, well, there probably is a wrong way, but I'm there's, you know, there are equally, there are lots of equally good ways to use package source. It's just what you prefer. And I lean heavily towards, as is my tendency to using it as or thinking of it as a an alternative to slack builds nothing's wrong with slack builds i'm very much enjoying slack builds but i do like to have that other option for whatever reason sometimes it's out of fear that a pack that that one uh project is going away that i don't want it to uh, some other times it's for fear of um, just being on a machine that doesn't have access to that project and that's the case with slack builds because Slack Builds is great on Slackware, and while I've used it on non-Slackware systems, such as a Debian PowerPC system, it 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 is you know it's it's for Slackware. So there are times where you think that maybe it's not the right answer for whatever reason, um, partly because there are certain expectations of Slack Builds. Slack Builds assumes that you're building everything on Slackware, and so there are explicitly things that are taken for advantage, things that are not taken for granted, uh, things that are not listed as a requirement because the assumption is that you are installing on a full install of Slackware. So when it says it requires libfoo, that's only because it assumes you already have libbar and baz because everyone has that because everyone's running Slackware. So there's there is that very explicit caveat to when you approach Slack builds is that you are building on a full install of Slackware. It's not a drawback, it's just a thing to be aware of. And so if I want to have a slackbuild.org-like experience on another system, like a Debian system, or a RHEL system, or a Fedora system, or, or a, a, a Raspberry Pi system, or whatever, then why did I say Raspberry Pi? That could be running Slackware. Anyway, package source is something that other systems can run. And there are lots of requirements for package source, but they're all... It, it, it doesn't assume anything about your system. It, it is happy to build as much of a, of, a, of a dependency foundation for itself as is necessary. Okay, so that's one thing about package source, is that it... It does not care about the lack of dependencies that you have on your system. It will 
it will build that up for you as it needs to. That's point one about package source. Point two about package source is, as I said, it is lots of different things. So package source, the way I think about it, the way I use it, is a system for building packages from source code. To me, that's what package source is. However, if you ask me um, on a bad day, or if you ask a lot of other people on a good day, you might hear that package source is actually a binary package installer. It just pulls binaries from the internet and copies it onto your computer. And why I say you have to ask me on a bad day is because, well, if I've tried to build something in package source and it fails seven times, then or once, then you can probably count on me using package in to just download the binary package and installing it that way. So there are definitely times where I stoop to the level of just taking the easy way out, and package source definitely has an easy button, which is quite nice. But that's two different sort of implement, or not implementations, but interpretations or interactions. One is to go into package source and, and issue a bunch of be make clean install uh, commands, and, and the other is uh, actually a completely separate command, package in, install, foo. So are you, when you say you're using package source, are you using it as a, as a build system to build stuff out of source code, or are you using it as a binary install, a binary package manager, or I guess you could just say a package manager for binary packages, whatever. Um, those are two, I, I think those are two significantly different things. I'll, I'll address both in this episode, but I do want to, to, to declare that those are two separate things. And then the third thing about package source is that it is different things to different operating systems. So for, for instance, NetBSD, which I run on my Pi, or my Pi, like I only have one Pi, like anybody only has one Pi anymore. On my Pi revision, I think it's like a 1B or something, or maybe it's a 2, I don't know. And it's running NetBSD alongside of a bunch of Pi 4s, which are not running NetBSD. So on one of my Pis, running NetBSD, and its package manager is package source. That's just, it doesn't, it, it doesn't ship with it, or at least that, that particular edition of NetBSD didn't ship with package source. I don't, I, I don't know. I've only ever, I think I've only ever installed NetBSD on Pis, so. I don't know that it whether it comes with package source or not. I don't think it does, though. The, the website certainly doesn't suggest that it does. Um, so you can pull the sources for package source onto NetBSD and then run it as your package manager, essentially, and it, it, it works brilliantly. It's uh, pretty well integrated, I guess. And I mean, I don't know, no more or less than with others, I guess. Yeah, so it, I don't know. It is what it is on NetBSD. It's, it's package source. And you can use it again in either to build from source or to do binary installs. For Linux, it's sort of maybe a backup package a source of packages. It is um, something that you could install, and you can install packages from that that maybe you don't want to install through uh, your normal package manager for some reason. I don't know what that reason would be. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they're advancing packages too quickly for you, and and you feel like package sources release schedule is more to your liking and so you default to that or maybe there's something that for whatever reason your repository doesn't have and package source does uh that's that's going to be point number four about package source so don't let me forget that um and then uh for you know you can run it on mac os so it could be instead of mac ports or homebrew it could be your your extras 
a repository for 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 Mac OS or for Illumos or for whatever. And and each of those operating systems you, you need to treat it a little bit differently than than the other. So, you know, I'm going to go over it on Linux and and it it would be a slightly different process on NetBSD. It would be slightly different on Illumos. It would be slightly different on Mac OS. So, that's just something to be aware of is that that there's a little bit of adaptation, not much, but there's a little bit of adaptation to to take into consideration when you're when you're using it on a different OS than maybe someone else. And then I guess the fourth thing, yeah, about package source would be sort of a a cautionary tale that package source isn't you know the Debian repository. It, there there are things that package source does not have. I would almost say there are more things that package source does not have than I would expect, which doesn't really mean anything really because you don't know what I expect. I don't even know what I expect. But there are I, I I know that there have been times where I'll I'll look around in in package source and and I can't find a thing and I just I think that there's no way it can't have that and and it doesn't it doesn't have that so you know it it is like any repository it 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 is focused on what its community contributes so don't think of it necessarily as the big secret extras repository that no one wants you to know about it is very much just a repository of Unix and Unix-like applications, and and it may well not be your only source of applications. Um, I did. I, I was looking at it seriously for a little while as maybe 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 I should try it for real, like really dedicate a good try of making it the exclusive package manager on a system. And I I realized pretty quickly that it wouldn't be my main system if that were the case. Um, I mean, it is the main package source uh, made main package manager on a system and that's the netbsd pi in my in my wardrobe but the uh, it, you know it it is it's it has its limits like any repository so just be aware of that don't don't get too excited about package source like it's like i say like a secret stash of stuff that you you can't find anywhere else this is just you know this is just normal package stuff and i'm just talking about package source because it's something that i've had experience with and because uh, I've heard back from you, dear listeners, that it would be an interesting thing to talk about at some point. So I'm talking about it. And that's not to say that geeks and nicks are not something that I ever want to talk about. It's uh, just they I still have not really gotten around to giving them their fair a fair go at, at, at either of those. I, I did try Geeks a little while ago and got a little bit frustrated with the way that it installed some stuff and I, I never went back. But I do intend to go back and check it out because I think I was just being, um, I think I, I expected one thing and got something different and I couldn't, couldn't handle it at that time, but I think I can adapt. So let's talk about package source and where it comes from. It comes from packagesource.org. It is the default manager for NetBSD and Smart OS. Smart OS being an Illumos based operating system. I don't know the state of Smart OS these days. I've run it before actually. Um, back when it first came out, and oh, it's owned by or maintained or whatever by Joyent. Okay, I didn't remember that, or maybe that's a new thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's new or or old, but that's interesting to know. So anyway, Joyent, um, the company, maintains a lot of binary packages for package source for enterprise Linux and Illumos, and I think maybe they do the macOS stuff too. I'm not sure. So, so. They're kind of a major contributor to the project. Package source 
pkgsrc.org. That's pkgsrc.org. And if you go there, it looks to me like this is the front page. I don't think I clicked on anything. It kind of inundates you with install instructions, and uh, it it first kind of assumes that you're on NetBSD, which is fair, and then it kind of starts to trickle down into lots of different options. And like I say, package source is kind of a different thing for, you know, it serves a different role for a bunch of different operating systems, so it can be a little bit overwhelming at first to choose your path. And it's not super clear, I don't think, about which 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 thing is on which path. So, again, here's how it breaks down. It can be your binary package manager, or it can be a system through which you build from source code. Those are your two choices. So, if you're scanning this page and you see install binary packages, NetBSD, then you know that what you are looking at is advice on how to install binary packages. That's that path. That's the binary path. That's not the compiling from source path. That that really actually confused me quite a lot initially. That was something that took me ages to get my head around. So the fact that sometimes they're talking about this method of installing binary builds of stuff that is, you know, stuff that is gets built from from package source, from the the port tree, from the from the tree of packages. It gets built, someone puts it on a server, that's a binary package. It happens to mirror package source one to one, except one is the source code and one is the binary. Okay. So there's there's that. And then you go you keep scrolling down and there's install binary packages for Illumos, Mac OS, and Enterprise Linux. Well again, that's binary packages. So if you're looking to compile from source, that would not be the path that you would want to take. That's a binary package uh path for Illumos, Mac OS, and Enterprise Linux, and that's all maintained by Joyent, the company Joyent. And if you go to their page, packagesource.joyent.com, there's a very good tutorial on exactly what you need to do to set that up. And then finally, there's the next path, although again, they don't really, it looks just like another bullet point, but it's, it's actually a, a, it's a, it's a new heading now. Install source packages. That's a different path, and that says you can get package source through CVS. Remember in the previous episode when I said no one was using CVS anymore, and how funny it was that Servicio was still distributed as a GUI application with KDE5? So, getting package source. All you need is CVS. You could use Servicia for this, and and you can check out the um, the sources. You can get their. Um, you can follow their latest and greatest. Check out the head um, commit on CVS, or you could get the stable branch, or you can just download a either a current or a stable branch as a tarball. I am going to go stable and uh, get the tarball because. That's what I would do in real life. And so I'm just going to do a wget of this address, which is cdn.netbsd.org slash pub slash package source slash stable slash package source dot tar dot xz. Somewhere on this site, and I'm not seeing it right now, actually while I talk, I'm going to do a tar xvf of package source tar dot xz. Now, if I wanted to, maybe I do want to, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a sudo tar xvf of package source.tar.xz and then I'm going to do dash capital C is that what tar uses? No, dash dash directory to slash USR. I better before I do that, I'd better I better look at what the structure is. Okay, so it is in package source, so it is safe to do that. Pseudo tar xvf package source.tar.xz dash dash directory slash USR. 
and that unarchives the tarball directly into slash user slash pkg src, which is what I have on NetBSD. So that just kind of feels that feels more natural to me. On my rel laptop, I have it just in my home directory in a folder called pkg. And that works fine. So there's no magical place the package source needs to go. You can put it anywhere you want. You can build out of it. You can install to any location that you want. So that's yet another reason why package source is kind of nice. Because if you think to yourself how nice it would be on this shared company computer to have uh, some some fancy development library, but IT doesn't support it, but you're um, but it's fine to install it locally into your home directory, then then you could do that with package source. I mean, you could do it with other things too. You can build up little microsystems wherever you want, but I'm just saying it is kind of nice for for that in some cases. Okay, so now I'm going to CD into USR package source, and this is all so far. Well, I did that sudo thing with with sudo. I, I, I unarchived it with sudo. But otherwise, I'm just, you know, just normal user in user package source. You can look around. I think supposedly there's like a, there's a um, command where you can search. I think it's like um, make search name equals or something like that. I'm not sure. But uh, I, I don't ever do that. I just use find. And somewhere in here, there's some stuff about bootstrap. There it is. There's a folder called bootstrap. If you go into Bootstrap and do a well, do a less on readme.linux, it tells you exactly what you need to do to get this system sort of up and running. It gives you some some. Remember how I said it didn't care about dependencies, uh, so it actually does a little bit, I guess. Uh, I'm going to do a head of maybe 30 lines on readme.linux. It says that on Debian systems, you have to have CVS, libincurses5, libincurses5 dev, GCC, yeah, G++, zlib1g-dev. I'm pretty sure I have all of these things on Slackware just sort of natively. I'm going to just try to bootstrap and just assume that I'm fine. So I'm going to do a dot slash bootstrap. No, I'm not. I'm going to do a sudo dot slash bootstrap and it runs a configuration script and is going to start building some stuff for me with GCC here. Yep, that's what it's doing. It's checking some stuff. See a lot of no's, but those are probably safe no's because there are yeses. A couple of warning signs, nothing too terrible so far. It seems to be progressing as expected. Wow, this is taking a while. Don't, this isn't an official coffee break. Actually, you know what? It's about, we're, we're about midway. No, because I wanted to do a build and then and then have a coffee break and then do binary packages. So yeah, this isn't an official coffee break yet, but uh, I'll be right back. Okay, I I don't have coffee yet. Of course, I wouldn't have gotten gotten coffee without you. But um, I do have a bootstrapped system. Let me take a drink of this not coffee. I do have a bootstrapped package source system now, and it it says that it's succeeded tells me that an example make.conf file with settings I provided to bootstrap, which I guess really means my system provided, has been created in slash user slash package slash etsy slash make.conf. Is that true? User package, is that the... Yes, it looks like it is. Okay, cool. That's great. So user pkg is the, um, is, is the canonical path of everything that 
package source installs. And I think, I want to say this was the problem that I had with some other build system where it was putting stuff into a, a a space where I felt like it was a little bit too intermingled with the rest of my system. And I quite like this about package source. And I, I kind of wish that Slackware was better at this in general about putting things that I install in user local. And I know that this is a, a silly, almost pedantic argument that no one cares about, including myself. Um, but it, it does feel nice sometimes to know that all of your third-party extra things are going into a special location far away from the rest of your system. I don't know why it feels good. It just does. It feels more organized. So the fact that everything gets put into slash user slash PKG and then everything that you would expect. So there's user PKG bin, Etsy, libexec, man, package DB, I don't know what package DB is, sbin, and share. Okay, so I can back out of bootstrap now and... I could choose any hopefully really simple thing to compile, and then I would have something to demonstrate that this actually works. So let me look. Where is something simple? Oh, there's RAR. That sounds simple, but it's probably not. There's PAX. PAX might be simple. I wonder if PAX is simple or not. It's hard to say. How about hello? Is there a hello program here? That would be simple. Okay, so I'm just doing a search with find, and like I say, I, I actually do believe that there is something... No, there is not a hello. That's interesting. I, I think that there's a, a, a command that you can do whereby you do a, like a make, bmake search or something like that, but I just, I do not remember it, and I never use it, and I never remember it if, if it does exist. Okay, so here's some shells, and there's good old... No? Where's corn? Is corn not in here? Maybe corn comes on... There's ZSH. I guess I could do that. I was hoping for something a little bit more basic. There's no... There's Bash. I could do that, I guess. But I'm afraid that's going to be too big, too. TCSH. There we go. Okay. So here's TCSH. I'm going to... So what I've done is I I CD into shells. That's a category here that I found in uh, USR package source. CD into shells and then did a list. And there's a bunch of different ones. There's ast-cornshell. Oh, there, there, there it was. Autojump. Bash, bash two, bash two, dash doc, bash completion, bosh, CBS, probably not for me, dash, elt, clsh, elvish, es, esh, fish, and so on. Lots of shells. When you find one that you like, or that you might like, you can cd into that directory, do an ls, and you'll see some, some build files. You see a CVS folder. I mean, honestly, I guess, I guess if you're really using package source a lot, maybe you would want to somehow filter out CVS files, because they're everywhere. Um, but anyway, there's a D-E-S-C-R. It probably stands for description, so I'm going to do a cat on description, and it says T-C-S-H is an extended C-shell with many useful features like file name completion, history, editing, etc. Perfect. Uh, there's also a plist, which tells you what it's going to install. I don't know what plist stands for. And... Uh, there is the make file, which I kind of feel like you could probably stay out mostly, but there is an options.mk file, and this is a good file to know about because it tells you the significant build options that are available for this package. Wish I could find, if I, I wish I could think of, of an example when this actually sort of like mattered. There, there are times though where you, you, you know you want something to be built, 
in a certain way, this is your first stop, options.mk, because a lot of times this is where you're going to define whether you want, say, FFmpeg to link against um, FAAC or FDK underscore AAC. I'm just making up an example, but that, that would be a, a very likely kind of example that would be um, that, that you could potentially encounter. There's a dist, dist info which tells you, you know, some specifics about this package, like the SHA sums and things like that, and what version you're actually installing and so on. And I think that's about everything, really, that I can think of. So yeah, so the, the protocol here, or the, the, the procedure, is sudo, and this is, this is where it gets weird. You can't just, you're gonna want to say make, but you cannot say make. Make is not what you must use for NetBSD, you must use bmake for this. So I'm going to do a sudo slash usr slash package slash bin slash bmake. So part of Bootstrap's job was to compile or, or whatever it needed to do. Probably compile. Let's let's look. What kind of file is this? Yeah, it's an ELF 64-bit binary. So it, it had to compile this, this make application. It's not GNU make. It's bmake, presumably bsd make, I don't know. But, and it lives in user package bin, and that's the version of make that you must use for, for package source. If you use, if you try to just issue make, um, things will, you, you will experience errors, and you will not know why. It's because you're using make out of habit, not bmake. So try to sort of remember that because it, it really is hard and it's even worse when you have a pi running netbsd and you can actually just use make b because because make on bsd is bmake and and so it's, it's it's like american food well what's american food to an american it's just food um well make on bsd is just make but on linux it's bmake so it can get confusing just try to remember that if you're in package source you're using bmake and the way to do uh, build a package from from here is just sudo slash user slash package slash bin slash bmake install and then I usually do a clean at the end and then you hit return and it starts building a lot of stuff and I'm going to warn you that the first time that you build something in package source on Linux there's a, oh and here's um here's some stuff actually that it says the supported build options for TCSH are NLS and static. The currently selected one is NLS. You can select which um, options to use by setting package default options or the following variable package underscore options dot TCSH and then you tell it what you want it to what what options. So that's where options.mk does come in handy and I did see static uh, I didn't happen to notice NLS, but static I could have, I guess, activated in options.mk, or you can set it as a variable or whatever. So there are options. I don't. I, I wish there was sort of a way, and maybe there is that I just haven't discovered yet, a way to sort of like see those options in advance, because I always see them as it's starting to compile, and then I hit Control C frantically and, and you know change it up. But anyway, the first time you build in package source, there's a bunch of other stuff to build. Uh, so if you're in a rush, uh, don't be in a rush the first time you use package source. Do that way in advance, because eventually, the, the first time that you build, it's going to take a while. It just is, because especially on a Linux system, uh, I mean, on, on BSD, I don't remember it taking a long time, except that it was on a Pi, so everything takes a long time. 
um, like an old Pi. But on, on Linux, it, you don't have a lot of the things that, that package source expects you to have. So it needs to build a bunch of things in its path that, yes, admittedly, you may have on your system outside of user package. And so there is redundancy. You are now doubling up on packages that, yes, you may already have installed, but, but package source doesn't recognize that. And as I've said in previous episodes, there's a way technically to tell package source to use the things on your system, but then if you update the thing on your system, of course, things change. It is cleaner and safer to just live with the redundancy. I know it feels horrible. It feels bad. You're not going to like it. Put it out of your mind and live with that redundancy. And while you try to get over that fact, let's go grab a cup of coffee for real this time. We'll come back and we'll talk about binary packages. Maybe not for you, but for me, it took a very long time. Okay, so again, just a, a, a reminder, it doesn't always take that long. I mean, it might if you're running everything on a Pi, but uh, where, where, yeah, every build takes, like, basically a whole night. Sometimes, many times, it will be very, a lot faster because it doesn't have to compile the entire auto tools tool chain and uh, a bunch of Perl libraries for documentation and, and all the other stuff that it is installed. By, by default. But now, I can type tcsh, and now I'm in tch, which dollar sign zero, oh, that's not, that's not how you do that. Echo, and dollar sign zero, tcsh. Okay, so, I have compiled tcsh with package source successfully, and from now on, that's the workflow. You go into user package source, you look around for a thing that you want, they're all sorted into categories, and in those categories are all the directory are is a directory per application and then you install and unlike slack builds you do not have to worry about dependencies it takes care of all that for you whether you like it or not options.mk gives you all the different build options so you can customize things that way some to some degree which often is is enough you know like if you if it's not that big of a deal it's fine so it's it's a it's a nice little repository of useful tools that that you might find quite nice to have on hand. Once again, Slack Builds has a lot of what Package Source has. It's not like you're getting this bonus thing that no one else knows about, but it is an alternative possibly source of of software for either a Slackware system if you're if you're just not keen about Slack Builds. Um, and why wouldn't you be keen about Slack builds? Well, one of the reasons that you might not be keen is because package source, well, Slack builds doesn't really have a release schedule. Slack builds has, um, when, when a maintainer wants to update an application, then they update the application. And when they don't update applications, then they don't. And that's the release schedule. Whereas package source has a really nice feature of quarterly releases. I mean, you can follow current if you want to, which, which it would be akin to following slack builds i guess but it also has a quarterly quarterly release which i really really like it's predictable every quarter there's a new 
official release of, of package source. And so you could refresh your package source uh, tree or whatever it's called from, from that quarterly release. And you know, you know, you can do that at your leisure and, and you can say, okay, well, now I'm changing, now I'm updating my, my, um, my, my sources. So I, I quite like that about it. I feel like that's kind of how Slack builds more or less used to be. Um, it could have just been my imagination, but I feel like back when I first started using Slack builds, it was more of like a Slack builds is going to get updated when Slackware gets updated. And I don't think that that was necessarily always true, but maybe it just kind of worked out to be mostly true for the stuff that I cared about. But now I feel like updates are are, are fast and furious, and that feels a little bit Fedora-y to me. It feels a little bit frantic. Package source having that quarterly predictable release cycle feels a little bit more, I don't know, I guess enterprisey or something. And I, I do quite appreciate that. Not enough to switch to package source exclusively, but it, it's, a, it's a nice feature to have and something to, to think about. Okay, as I said way at the beginning, there are two package sources. I mean, not really, but functionally, there are two package sources. There's the one I've just described, the one that we've just done, where you download the port tree or the package source tree or whatever, you bootstrap it, and then you start be making install clean all over the place, and now you've got a whole new set of tools on your system. That's the source code path. Back up and pretend like we never did that. And it's easy to pretend because you just you, you can just trash slash user slash package and, and trash slash user slash package source. Now they don't exist anymore. It's, it's very, very self-contained and, again, I really kind of like that about it. I, I actually not really kinda. I really like that about it. Now we're gonna do the binary path, and for that, as I say, there is um, th there's a separate process for this. You go to packagesource.joint.com, assuming you're on Linux, and you look up the instructions for what they want you to do, and you notice that it's not actually available for Slackware so much. I've not tried this on Slackware. It would be an interesting experiment to try it on Slackware because I do find that very often things built for Red Hat Enterprise Linux 7 or certainly 6 are, well, 6 for for the previous version of Slackware. Probably 7 would be better for the current version, 15.0. But I, I have found that stuff built for that very frequently happens to work on Slackware. Um, I pilfer RPMs from... Uh, CentOS and Fedora frequently enough to feel pretty confident about that. But just because this is me trying to demonstrate something and I don't want to go completely off track, I have fired up a little virtual machine of CentOS, I think, 8? Yes, 8. S stream 8. CentOS Stream 8. And I'm going to do the process as described on Joyent. And it's, it's quite it's quite fast. So first they um they want you to assign a couple of variables bootstrap tar and bootstrap sha. Bootstrap tar is essential. That's the one where you are defining what you're going to download. Bootstrap sha is technically optional because it is uh just to check the GPG or the the signature rather, sorry, the sha sum. Um and then you can I mean they do have a GPG signature that you can check as well. Uh and then you can do a curl dash capital O of package source dot joint dot com slash packages slash Linux slash EL seven enterprise Linux seven slash bootstrap slash dollar sign bootstrap underscore tar. And that grabs that package 
And what you're downloading, actually, are a bunch of binaries straight from their server. And then there's a couple of more steps, which I'm just going to blissfully skip over because um, I've already done this. And so I don't need to check the SHA sum right now. And I don't need to verify their GPG key, uh, the signature rather, right now, because I've already done that in the past, like today, while preparing for this. Uh, okay, so now I'm going to get out of here. Where am I? Okay, so now I'm going to sudo tar zxpf. They don't say what that is. Dollar sign bootstrap underscore tar dash capital C, which is actually dash dash directory, and then forward slash the root partition or the root uh, yeah root partition of your um, file system. Uh, so I'll do that, and while it's doing that, I'm going to really quick look up what the heck p and f are in tar because I just don't recognize those off the top of my head. Dash P is, oh, preserve permissions. That's why I, I kind of thought it had something to do with permissions. F is, oh, the file. I knew that. That's silly. Okay, so now I have a new folder, because remember I removed the folder that package source had actually built in the time that we're pretending didn't happen. So now I have a new folder called slash user slash package, and inside of there is a full file system, or a sort of a, a pretty complete file system bin, etsy, include, info, lib, libdata, lib, exec, man, and share. And I'm going to just do a list on user package bin. This is what you downloaded. So there's bmake, there's bunzip2, bzcat, bzdiff, bzgrip, grep, bzip2 again, recover, bzmore, clear, um, package in, um, and there should be a couple of other package-related things, but maybe they're in some other directory in here? Well, we'll find out. So that's, um, that's what you downloaded. The, the, the really important one to keep in mind is package in. That's a, that's a big one, P-K-G-I-N. And then it's going to have us... Oh yeah, that's where the other one's... It's going to create some paths. And now this is a temporary because uh, in, in, to make this permanent, of course, we would have to add it to .bashrc or something. And it's uh, I'm going to do it export path equals slash user slash package slash sbin colon slash user slash package slash bin colon dollar sign path. And the same thing except with man path equaling user package man and appending the current man path. So now if I type pkg and then tab... I find a bunch of different PKG-related applications. There's PKGIN, which we know is in user source bin, and then there's package underscore add, package underscore admin, package underscore info, package underscore create, and a couple of package conf things, which just they're just getting they're getting visibility because they do exist on the system, but they, they have nothing to do with package source. So the easy way to 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 go from here would be. For instance, package in search tcsh. Oh, can't do that. How about sudo package in search uh, tcsh? Sudo doesn't have that in its path, of course. How about sudo user package bin package in search tcsh? Uh, it is now processing or reading the local summary. It's looking around. It's finding stuff. It finds tcsh-6.24.00 is um, available and that means I should be able to install it. So I'm going to do a sudo user package bin package in, and then instead of search, I'm going to do the word install. Or frankly, if I'm lazy, package in space 
I in space T C S H. It tells me what it's about to do, which is it's going to um, install TCSH. It's going to refresh in curses 6.3. So it's telling me there's one to refresh and one to zero to install. Oh, oh, so so in, in order to install the thing, I was confused as to why there would be zero to install when I clearly am installing TCSH. But that's saying this, this is what it's going to do in order to meet the requirements for TCSH. So I'm just typing yes, or, or Y rather, there, hitting return. It's downloading in curses 6.3 TGZ. TGZ, that's a, that's a great extension for a package format. And TCSH 6.24.00.tgz. It says that it's good to go. Warnings got two, but no errors. I'm going to type TCSH. And I think maybe I'm at a TCSH prompt. If I do an echo dollar sign zero, do I get? Yes, I get a TCSH. So there you go. Binary packages from joyent.com. What a pleasure. And it's, it's easy to do. It's, it's as easy as certainly, you know, DNF or, or apt or, or SBOPKG, I guess. And you can, you can also query things. I mean, there's a bunch of other commands like, um, and, and this is all detailed on the joyent page. So I recommend going to packagesource.joyent.com. Um, go to the joint page and go to look around at the post install steps. It talks you through the package underscore commands like package info, package uh, admin, package create, all kinds of things that you can use. But package in, I think, is the one, I guess, that, that I, I find myself using in a pinch on my NetBSD Pi because just sometimes it sometimes the build times are just enormous on there and so it's just easier to do a package in. But um and and on on my rel laptop I, I generally just compile from source because I can. Because it's a fast computer, why not just install from source rather than grabbing it from from joint? That's my my thoughts on that. But you could you could try I mean, this is probably definitely worth trying on Slackware. Like I say, it, it could probably work, and and I guess it would cost nothing to try because it does get all it, it all gets installed into user package anyway, which is great. You can just get rid of it at the end if you're done with it, so that's nice. Okay, um, I guess I guess it would be something to try potentially at this very moment. Could we try it on Slackware? I mean, if I tried it on Slackware right now, it would only give us it would only give us a little bit of data, to be fair, because because it's not like I'm going to try a bunch of things. It's just that I'm going to try this specific thing, and who knows what 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 result that'll actually have? Okay, but I, I am doing it anyway. I mean, I probably, to be fair, could have probably just done this initially, but I just didn't want it to fail the first time that I tried it on on the recording. I didn't want your first experience of package source to be that it doesn't work on Slackware. So I'm exporting the path. Yep, I can do that. And then I guess I'll go ahead and... Yeah, I need to do that, the man path. Well, I don't really need to, but I'm going to anyway. It's just for this session. Okay, so now I've got everything. I've got everything ready. So I'm going to do a package in. No, I'm going to do a pseudo package in. No, I'm going to do a user package bin package in i in for install. You can shorten it. And then um, oh wait, is there anything? What what would what would I not have? T 
TCSH. I have. I, of course I would have that. How about Vim? I don't... Oh, I do have Vim. I didn't know I had Vim. And I have GVim. That's very surprising to me. Okay. I didn't think about this. I did not think... What about ZA? Is it ZSH? I have ZSH. Packs? No packs. I do not have packs. I have uninstalled packs. So I'm going to do the big command. sudo user package bin package in in packs. Of course, then I have to figure out how to use packs. It is downloading the package summary. It has marked something to install. I reply yes for that, and it has installed it. So now I should be able to just type in packs, and it doesn't find it. That's not a good sign. User package bin packs. Oh, so there's an error. Package install warning one, errors zero. Error log can be found here though, okay? var db package in package underscore install dash err dot log and it's telling me that the packs um, 2021.02.19 was built for a platform and the platform I'm assuming does not match the platform that it was built for and so it did not choose it chose not to install that but that is interesting that like package in for instance obviously does work so it's kind of Interesting that it would kind of intercept the the process on my behalf, but I guess that's fair, kind of fair. If if it doesn't want to to do that, I guess that's that's okay. Okay, so yeah, maybe some um, some adjustment would be required for it to function as one would want it to function on Slackware. Uh, I mean, for the binary packaging. As I've said, though, there are really two package sources, and this is only one of them. The other one is the compiling from sources which, frankly, you're probably already doing on slackbuilds.org anyway, so it's not the worst thing in the world, potentially, to just compile from source code from package source. And we've stepped through that. You've seen how, how simple that process actually is. Again, as long as you remember to use bmake. That's the thing. That's the one thing that is necessary, is bmake, not make. I think that's everything I've got to say about package source. Um, it's pretty straightforward, and... It's a nice little system. It's self-contained. Really, really like that about it. So if you want to try out an alternate repository full of useful applications, give Package Source a go. I've been enjoying it on NetBSD. I've enjoyed it on RHEL. I, 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 I keep thinking I could run it on Slackware, and yet Slack Builds has so much of what Package Source already offers that it just doesn't seem quite really necessary. But if you're not doing what I do on Slackware and you want the predictability, the predictable release cycle that slackbuilds.org does not have, package source is a very real option. So check that out. Okay, that's everything. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive 
you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted. Until next time, thanks for listening, and keep the source open. Corn dog.